2: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, Fantasy Players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Thursday, May 31st, the last day of May we start to cross into the summer officially and unofficially. Let's do it. It is Roto-Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me speeds, spitting statistician. And we are without El Rey de Fantasia today. No Scott Angle. The king mentioned yesterday he's going to the graduation of his son, Sean Angle, graduating out there in Queens today. Uh, We, everybody here, are Roto Experts in the morning at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want to give a big shout-out and congrats to Sean Angle. So, uh, no king today, but that's okay. I'm going to still be taking you through the first hour. I got a couple of big-time takeaways from the action yesterday. We'll get into that, the fantasy implications, as usual, uh, just like I break it down with the king, usually at the beginning of the show. Later on in the show, in the 740 segment, we are going to have Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com. We're gonna talk about the DFS action that, uh, you know, to get you ready. We're gonna talk about that with him. I also listen. I'm gonna ask him how uh, remember how I was asking him last week about pricing these kids as they come up, and if there's any inefficiencies there, I'm going to ask them about another potential inefficiency that I see as it relates to what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing, so we'll get into that as well. In the 8 o'clock hour, though, we will have my man, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, join us. We're going to break down news and notes in the NFL and also take a look at the wide receiver position in his latest ranks. You can, you know, hashtag check the link for that. We're going to dive into the wide receiver position you know after uh, you know Brandon Marshall signed what kind of uh, what kind of impact does the Andrew luck return have on a guy like TY Hilton We'll get into that as well but again I want to put a poll question up for you you know we've been talking about these Tampa Bay Rays we've been talking about these Tampa Bay Rays what they're doing in the bullpen and what they're doing at with the opener. You know, kind of a new idea. And, you know, I also think about how the Angels are managing Shoney Otani's starts. You know, he didn't get the win yesterday, unfortunately, for Roto Cleo for our guy, Jake. But uh, there's other teams also that are kind of going with almost six men rotations. You know, we talked about the Texas Rangers being an uh, an opportunity for that going into the season. We see other teams that are kind of also using their DL spots or the AAA sending kids up and down. We see the Pirates doing it with Kingham. We saw the Dodgers do this last year with the DL and c- calling guys up and down like Urias. Um, My poll question, and Bavona down there in the fantasy pit of misery, maybe he can get us hooked up. The poll question is the following. Um, What do you think is the future of rotations? In Major League Baseball. You know, right now we have the five man rotation. People have been, t- you know, we've had the five man rotation for a long time. It used to be, you know, the idea that sometimes pitchers could go on three days rest. But no, the five man rotation is kind of the standard. Do you think it'll stay the five man rotation in five or 10 years? Do you think we'll go to a six man rotation? You know, we talked about data supporting less stress on the arm, you know, with all the rash of injuries and Tommy John that is happening. You know, will it go to a six man rotation to kind of have some rest, more rest? For the starters, will it go to using these bullpen days that we see the Tampa Bay Rays are kind of taking that to the extreme or will it be something else? You know, will it be something else? And I'm telling you, we might talk about what that something else might be. The future could be here when it comes to um, players really being multifaceted. I'll tell you a little bit more what I mean in our next segment when the drafts coming up a kid by the name of Anthony Siegley from Georgia, how he could be the future. We'll get into that. As well. But that's the poll question. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Spit and Speeds, obviously at Roto Experts as well. What is the future of rotations in Major League Baseball? Um, is it the five man rotation, a six man rotation, kind of using bullpen days, or something else? We'll put that poll question up during the break. Um, here are the top kind of five or six things that I saw in uh games last night first of all i don't know if you saw and i wish i wish scotty the king angle was here because listen i don't know if you guys saw this but there was literally like a dumpster fire at city field with the mets yesterday and i'm not talking about you know oh it was just really bad there was literally a fire in city field about an hour hour and a half before game time um and you know Twitter was ablaze with all the kind of uh, jokes about them being a dumpster fire about, oh, how City Field is on the DL now too um, because they can't handle the injuries over there. So I thought that was funny. I wanted to give Scott a little bit of grief over that. I'm sure he would say, you know, it's a different Met regime, a different training staff, and so that I was just wildly speculating. But it is funny. Then in the game, Jason Vargas, who has not been good, actually throws – A nice game. He goes five shutout innings, strikes out two. His ERA, he brings his ERA down to 8.52. So that gives you some kind of indication of Jason Vargas. I would still stay far away from him for fantasy uh, purposes. But the Mets do win 4-1. Here's what I think is interesting, and it's at the back end. Listen, Callaway has said before that, you know, Familia is his guy in the eighth. But Familia pitched the eighth inning. Yesterday got a hold and they brought in Gazelman last yesterday to get the save for the Mets. They do, in fact, get the win uh, beating Atlanta four to one. But you know how Kurtz does the closer articles there on RotoExperts.com. We got to maybe look into that a little bit more familiar in the eighth Gazelman in the ninth. I personally have shares of familiar, so I'm going to keep an eye on that uh, for sure. We go on over to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um it was interesting. The Cardinals, they go down in Milwaukee 3-2, to but it was Alex Reyes' day. Alex Reyes gets called up by the St. Louis Cardinals. This is the, the next up in a line of you know, youngsters, highly touted kids that are coming up uh, back off the DL. Alex Reyes, he goes four innings, four shutout innings, mind you. Gets only two strikeouts, but he only throws 72 pitches. Okay, They were kind of working him in. You know, We talk about that with Scott all the time. The idea that, you know, coming back, you don't just go ahead and go 100 pitches, especially with a young kid like this. So they work him back in. uh, You know, I would watch this next time he's through the rotation. I don't know that he's going to be eligible to get, like, kind of a quality start or a win. So I would stay away from him and DFS until we see him go six innings. Um, But a nice outing, shutout stuff from Alex Reyes in 72 pitches. I also wanted to, you know, bring up this game because – on twitter and in social media a lot of people were bugging out when josh Hader. you know we talk about how josh Hader at the back end of this milwaukee bullpen is good for multiple innings well he came back out to uh pitch the ninth in what was a one-run game got into a little bit of trouble and then boom cory knabel comes in gets his fifth save of the year only has to throw six pitches getting one out for a strikeout and the save it looks like you know while familiar maybe in some issues or some danger with his role, it looks like Knable is fine there. And they're gonna be going hater to Knable for the Milwaukee Brewers. Remember, right now still have the best record in the National League. They were one of our surprises going into Memorial Day. They are now fifteen games over five hundred. The Milwaukee Brewers, they keep rolling, get another win the back end of that bullpen. Looks strong. Another game I wanted to talk about was the um Arizona Cardinals, uh, excuse me, the Arizona Diamondbacks hosting the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds go in there and beat the Diamondbacks 7-4. couple things I want to talk about on this game real quick. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt goes yard, okay, and this is important because we have been talking maybe about Paul Goldschmidt more than any other player. This is a guy who, you know, was universally known as a first-round player. You know, draft pick. Everyone thinks of him as the best first baseman fantasy-wise in the game. They have been years where he was like a top four pick. Goldschmidt, though, has been on the interstate really struggling. We've been talking about it. Things like the humidor, things like losing J.D. Martinez in the lineup for protection, losing A.J. Pollock. We also had Rusty Ryle on last week, and he mentioned kind of the mental side how you start pressing when you start looking up and it's the middle of May and you see yourself hitting 190 well he may be starting to break out of it he goes yard to not, uh, yesterday that was his first Home run at home so far this year. He had zero in his previous 91 at-bats at home, 114 plate appearances. So maybe he's warming up. He's up to 209, which doesn't look good. But you remember, he was in the 190s a couple of weeks ago, so maybe he is, in fact, warming up. Also in this game, it was Raciel Iglesias that comes in and gets the save. Remember, he comes right back off the DL, and he gets a four-out save for the Cincinnati Reds. They brought him in in the ninth. That is his ninth save of the year. I thought that was interesting. I wanted to give you that right here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're going to have a poll question up. We'll get that up over the break. All right, you can always hit me up at Spit and Speeds. We'll be talking about some of these things with Mike Leone in just about half an hour. Another game that I want to get into because I think it's important is these uh, Cleveland Indians. Listen, the Cleveland Indians are doing what I believe they need to do. You know, we talk about how uh, we expect to know kind of all the playoff teams in the American league, right? We expect to know the playoff teams in the American league. We think it's going to be Boston and New York. We think it's going to be Cleveland. We think it's going to be the Astros, of course, right? Well, for a long time, Cleveland has just been hovering around 500, right? You know, and when were they going to start to take this step and run away and hide? Like I expect, like I know a lot of other people expect as well, right? Well, Against the Chicago White Sox, that's when they need to start doing it, okay? They're going to be able to, you know, the White Sox are a bad team. It looks like the Royals are going to be a bad team. They need to make hay against these teams. They need to start to dominate, and they are doing that against the White Sox in this series. You know, you had a good outing from Clevenger a couple of days ago, and Trevor Bauer continues suit. I mean, Trevor, uh, excuse me, not Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber. He's nasty, goes six innings of scoreless ball, uh, striking out 10. His ERA is now down to 2.02, okay? So when you look at this Cleveland Indians rotation, there's so much talk about the Astros, you know, with Verlander all the way down, right? It's his ERA at like 1.1 with what Charlie Morton is doing, with what we're seeing, um, you know, out of – Keuchel, you know, Keuchel getting zero run support, right, but still having good outings himself. You know, that's what's happening with these Astros, which is the, um, the Cleveland Indians are no different. When you can line up Kluber and Carrasco and Bauer and Clevenger, and, and uh, you know, Kluber does that, again, striking out 10, like I said. The other thing I want to mention here in this one is Jose Ramirez keeps on chugging. I said how he was kind of underrated, you know, or under. Publicized as an MVP candidate, this is a second-round fantasy baseball uh, draft pick. He hits his 17th home run of the season. He is hitting 800. Not to be outdone, and we're gonna—I'm gonna give my man Jake Sealy a little bit of grief over this. Not to be outdone, JD Martinez goes yard for the Red Sox as they win a game 6-4 in Fenway Park over the Toronto Blue Jays uh, yesterday during the day. J.D. Martinez going yard for his league leading 18th home run in the American League. He is now slugging 1,042, 1.042. Remember, it was actually J.D. Martinez who led the league in OPS last year over Judge, over Stanton, because remember, he missed some games. He's doing it again this year with a 0.042 OPS. Not to be outdone, the New York Yankees. They continue to roll in a matchup of what many people think could be a playoff preview. Was the ALCS last year. The Yankees win the Bronx 5-3. They go to 18 games over five hundred, A robust 22-9 at home. Luis Severino continues his dominant season going 7 innings. Giving up only 2 runs. Striking out 11. what I want to talk about the Yankees, you need to look at some of these guys in the bottom of the lineup. Okay, we know about the judge. We know about Stanton. We know about Gary. We even know about a guy like Gleyber Torres at this point. I've talked about Didi Gregorius, but it's the bottom of this lineup. I mean, Miguel Andujar is a... Extra base hitting machine leads all rookies in extra base hits. He's hitting two ninety. When you can get a guy like Austin Romine filling in well in the bottom of the lineup, you know, in spot duty, getting a hitting three fifty eight. Tyler Austin hitting well. You know, I mean, the, this lineup really kind of is circular in nation in nature, and that's what's giving the Yankees so much uh, danger. Offensively, A couple of other news and notes, not from games, but in terms of kind of like the injury report. Listen, we talk about Zach Britton. Talk about Zach Britton and his value to fantasy owners, maybe as the closer of the Orioles or as a reliever somewhere else. I think he's going to get moved at the deadline, but he had a rehab start. He struck out the side in his rehab start looking good. I think he's going to be back I would say early next week. I think he's going to be coming back. Keep an eye out on that. Stash him if you still can. And if you have Brad Brock, I recommend – listen, we talked about this yesterday. I recommend even keeping Brock just because, listen, when Britain shows out that he can be strong, he's going to get flipped. Uh, to a team that needs him because the Baltimore Orioles are certainly not contending right now. It looks like Mark Melanson is going to be activated from the DL. Remember, he's been struggling with that forearm injury coming back from it. It still looks like Hunter Strickland, though, may keep his job and save opportunities for the San Francisco Giants. Keep an eye out on that. Strickland's been pitching well in that role, so this may be a thing. Remember, we talked about how Knable missed a lot of time. He had to get worked into it. This could be the case out there in San Francisco with the Giants as well. The other thing I want to m- mention is today I expect uh, Chris Davis from the Oakland A's, him to get activated. He spent what was basically the minimum 10 days on the DL. He had a groin injury. Remember at first they were thinking about him uh, potentially fighting on through it and playing through it. They took the cautious route. They, um, they go ahead and put him on the DL, but it looks like he will be ready to go, uh, You know, they're going to activate him. It looks like today they will activate him. Also, Fernando Romero, you know, another one of these uh, rookies, maybe the shine coming off the rose, right? He took a beating, giving up eight runs in just an inning and two-thirds, um... In a game against the Kansas City Royals yesterday, listen, he he struck out one guy, but listen, he announced nine hits, a walk, eight runs in just an inning and two-third. Maybe, you know, the league adjusts to you after a while. That's what we could be seeing. You know, Scherzer, Max Scherzer, who was dominant in his or, outing, um, has no such issue. You know, he was against the Orioles, struck out 12, big-time strikeout pitcher. I also want to just mention uh, two other guys quickly going on the DL. We talk about how Madison Bumgarner coming back for the Giants. We talk about how Mark Melanson coming back from the Giants. It looks like they're placing starting pitcher Jeff Samarja on the DL with that shoulder injury. And then, you know, Reese Hoskins, Hoskins had that issue with his lip. They thought it was just, you know, that he kind of avoided maybe the worst. But no, no, no. He is going to go on the DL for the surprising Philadelphia Phillies. It turns out after looking deeper into that, x-rays he's got a fractured jaw so just a little flap on the helmet is not going to be enough for that um you know, keep an eye out on that. Hoskins, you know, this middle of this lineup, the Phillies have been surprising. They continue to roll, but they're going to be doing it without their uh, second-year stud corner infielder, Reese Hoskins, moving forward. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the Morning, we're going to put up that poll. I'm going to check in on that. I got two stories that I alluded to uh, about changes in the rotation. There could be changes to the strike zone coming soon, and also the new wave of player we may see in drafts. Coming up. Roto. The odds on where LeBron will play, Philadelphia 76ers are the favorite. I don't know if I see the fit. I
1: can see it happening, and I know what you're saying about the fit, but when it's talking about the best players since Jordan arguably the best of all time, you make it work.
2: As much as LeBron doesn't want to hear it, he basically carried the supporting cast to the NBA Finals. If he can make these guys better, what is he going to do for those guys in Philadelphia? Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back. Roto experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dave Martinez, Speed, the spitting statistician, flying solo today in the first hour. No Scott Angle. We here at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We tip our cap to our man, you know, Sean Angle. Sean Angle graduating today. I think that's big things. You know, I remember my graduation... Up there in Syracuse in 2002, it was. I'm dating myself. That was big things. And, you know, I'm trying to turn that into becoming this spitting statistician. So hopefully, uh, guy Sean Angle, congrats to him. You can hear him on the uh, NASCAR show that we do uh, during NASCAR season, the Father and Son Hour. That was a big-time show where the king and his son, the crown prince of racing, were doing their thing. But once again, big shout-out to, of course, the king, Scott Angle, and Sean Angle as well as he graduates. That's why there's no... Uh, El Rey de Fantasia today. I'll tell you what, though. I hope he gets his Roto-Cleo picks in because, uh, you know, none of us did so well yesterday, so we all got to be catching up to J-Rod. All right. I mentioned that um – Evolutions in the game. We're gonna put a poll question up. What do you think of the future of uh, starting rotations in Major League Baseball? Will it stick with the five-man rotation? Go to a six-man rotation, kind of for player safety, protecting the arms? Will it go to more of these bullpen days? You know, kind of other constructs that the Tampa Bay Rays are trying right now, or something else? You know, maybe I don't know. You know, maybe it's something else. Position players, um, going to pitch more often. Who knows? As the game evolves, but. That brings me to my next point. You know, the evolution of the game. You ask how the game evolves. I thought this was a very interesting interview Commissioner Rob Manfred gave to the Atlantic recently. Pretty far-ranging interview, you know. Um, collective bargaining agreements, player safety, uh, pace of play, you know, the spread of the game, all sorts of things, these kind of big-time teams. But one of the things that I pulled out of it, again, you can find this on the Atlantic, Um, Check out this quote. Here's what I pulled out of this. He says, I think we are much closer than we were a year ago to having the technological capability to call the strike zone. Let me say that again. I think we are much closer than we were a year ago to have the technological capability to call the strike zone. What he's talking about is an electronic strike zone. Okay, removing the human element for the umpire behind the plate and having balls and strikes called via sensor, via pitch tracks, via robot, in essence. And I think this is very interesting. You know, baseball is the sport more than any other about, you know, like the purists, shall we say, right? And it's record book and things of that nature and the the human element. And if we take this out of the game and we go to a – Like a pitch FX system, which is what they're working on. And, you know, you see it now when you watch the game, you see it, whatever network, regional cable, ESPN, your local station, wherever you're watching the game these days on video games, you're seeing it superimposed on the screen the same way, like. You know, you see the first down line in football. You're seeing the strike zone superimposed on the screen. Sometimes you're even seeing it with, like, heat maps of where the hitter is more successful. Like, oh, his power zone is down and in, and it's, like, lit up red. You know, when pitchers are throwing and you're watching this on TV, you're seeing, boom, if it hit the strike zone, you're seeing that it's, you know, 88 miles an hour and that it was a slider. You're seeing that it's a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. The umpires don't have access to this data. Kind of like the umpires still have to, you know, in a draconian way, pull out a chain link fence and measure for the first down, despite the fact that we have the technology to put that yellow line on the field. Right. And so this is starting to gain steam. I hear Eric Burns and others on major league on MLB network talk about this. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about this. I kind of like how different umpires have different strike zones a little bit, and you kind of, you know, kind of find it throughout the game. I know it's not standard. I know it's not uniform in this day and age of technology. That's the way it should be. And to be quite honest, we're doing a disservice to the umps. Because if I'm sitting in my house, in my living room, and I can see that it's an 87 mile an hour slider that just missed the plate low and outside, you know, and that the batter that's up there right now happens to be cold, you know, hitting 093 against the slider low and away, you know, that's a disservice to the umpire. So I do think they need to kind of like arm the umps better, but any kind of like centralized electronic review to just call balls and strikes, kind of like the electronic eye in tennis on faults or if balls hit the net, I don't know if I'm in, 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 in favor of all that. It would have to be collectively bargained anyway. And then what do you do for like check swings or foul tips? You know, plays on the bases. you're still gonna have to have human umpires, but I do think it's interesting, and Manfred publicly saying that we are ahead of where we were in terms of the technology to do this. I think that is very, very interesting, you know, moving forward. Um, so let's keep an eye out on that. Maybe that's kind of what we should put a poll question up on uh tomorrow when I bring back you know the King Scott angle, we're gonna be talking about uh, you know the stuff that I missed today, I think I want to get his take on that. We should put up that poll question a little bit tomorrow because then after this, next week, we're going to kick off our face of baseball polls. You know, we got the brackets pretty much uh, pretty much set. So we'll get into those brackets as well. But we'll need a poll question for tomorrow. It could be about the electronic strike zone. The other thing that I alluded to that I want to, uh, you know, kind of touch on right now is you talk about kind of how these – rotations may be evolving, the evolution of baseball. You know, we talk about everything from the crazy high-velocity arms, you know, people throwing, you know, 101 miles an hour, average velocity for starters, like Luis Severino pushing 98. One of the things that are happening is, you know, we talk about Shohei and Otani, right? I talked about how with the propensity of bullpens, the proliferation of bullpens, In rosters, how you now have teams are carrying 13 pitchers, you need more of the Swiss Army Knives, you need the Eduardo Nunez's. you need the Marwin Gonzalez's, guys that can play so many positions, because your bench is not deep. Well, what about this guy? Maybe this is the future of baseball. MLB is going to be holding its, you know, amateur draft. Next week, starting June 4th, and one of the players who is projected to go in the first round, he's a late first-round prospect, is this kid, Anthony Siegley. I hope he's getting his name right. He's an 18-year-old from Cartersville, Georgia, okay? And this kid, I think, is absolutely unique, and here's why. It'd be like if you had Shoni Otani, right, who can pitch and be a, a position player. But it'd be like if you had him and if he was left-handed and right-handed. You know, if he was like the switch pitcher, that guy like Pat Bennett. Um It'd be like if you had a switch hitting and switch pitching position player and... Pitcher. This is what this kid is doing. He hits and he pitches. He plays catcher. He plays outfield. He plays infield. Oh, and he switch hits too, by the way, okay? He is technically, it looks like, going to get drafted as a catcher. Catcher is his best position. And let me tell you something. This is not some kind of, like, novelty thing that I'm talking about, okay? This kid, he was the starting catcher on Team USA USA 18 and under, okay? This is, like the best young prospect in the country at the catcher position. He's the starting catcher for team USA on the 18 and under division. This is a kid, his high school team, his high school team, uh, was the runner up in the four, a state, uh, in, in Georgia. Okay. So we're talking high levels of baseball. This is not some kid who's doing it, you know, like against scrubs or against lower. This is, he's going to get drafted in the first round. This kid is playing catcher, Anthony Siegley. <clears throat> he hits, he pitches, he hits lefty, he bats righty. I mean, The guy was hitting 421, okay, right then for his high school team. Um, 13 home runs as well. Kid threw 25 innings, struck out 29 guys, was pitching to a 109 ERA. All right, he also stole 16 bases on 19 attempts and then threw out, I told you he was a catcher, threw out over 50% of the runners that were trying to steal on him. So maybe this kid is the evolution of baseball. Excuse me, I think about it this way. You remember back in Little League, who was it that was the best player? It was the pitcher. And that day when the pitcher wasn't pitching, he was playing like shortstop. He was your number three or four hitter. He was that kid that was just the best athlete to do it all. You know, we, we are now in this kind of era of specialization in sports. You know, we hear the lefty specialist. You want a kid, you know, to be really good. He, play, he gives up all his other sports. We can play AAU basketball, you know, six days a week. You know, to get a shot, maybe we just need to kind of respect broad athletic talent and let them do everything they're capable of and develop these kind of Swiss army knives. Maybe that is the future of baseball, not having a five-man rotation, a six-man rotation, but having more multifaceted guys that can play infield, outfield could go in there and give you an inning or two if needed and can still hit. You know, I think that could be the future of Major League Baseball as well as we really cultivate these athletes. You know, I think this idea of Athletes and kids coming up in a well rounded way versus being uh, specialized is something to definitely, definitely look for. All right, here's what I want to do. Coming up next, uh, a little bit later on in this hour, we're going to have my guy Mike Leone from dailyroto.com. We're going to be breaking down the DFS later. Got a couple of other questions from Mike Leone coming in. But what I want to tell you every time we talk daily roto, you got to understand if you want, for example, let's say you just want tickets. You want a shot at tickets. You can get a shot at tickets for a 2018 World Series game. Okay, all you got to go is over to Daily Roto, where I'm talking with Mike Leone in a couple of minutes. DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There, you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For so many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance of survival, okay, when you have blood cancer. And Here's the thing 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families. Now, that's a good rate if you're a Major League Baseball hitter. You know, if you're hitting 300, that's an all star level. But when you're battling cancer, to have a 30% chance of a match of a donor, that's not an all star chance. That's where you come in, okay? You could, um, it's real easy. You go to DKMS, you register, they send you a kit, you swab your cheeks. You know, and, and then if you are a match, you could go ahead, contribute some bone marrow, and uh, really help someone struggling with this disease. This is not something that happens in fantasy sports. This is in real life. Okay, you can be a hero in real life. Go on over to slash DKMS to find out how you can help. Here's what we're going to do in a couple of minutes, we're going to get into it with um, Mike Leone from Daily Roto. Dot com, we're going to talk DFS. They got a great article there as well as always about DFS day by day. I should have listened to him yesterday. Yesterday I was going with that rocky stack, you know, uh, for RotoCleo. I knew it was going to be a rocky that was going to get, uh, was going to go yard in Coors Field. I liked what I be, against Derek Holland. I liked it. I said it was either going to be Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado in RotoCleo. Of course, I go Trevor Story, and of course. He does not go yard, but Nolan Arenado does go yard, so I still trail and Roto Cleo. That's okay. Last thing I want to tell you about, we've been talking about these – Potential trade targets, we've been talking how to play a guy like Zach Britton, how to play a guy like Kelvin Herrera. We've been talking about some of these arms that could be on the move. We talk about how uh, will anyone be able to mortgage the farm and get a guy like Chris Archer in Tampa. Uh, Detroit with a couple of guys, Liriano or Fulmer, that may go. Scott thinks J.A. Happ, who was the opening day starter for the Toronto Blue Jays. That he might be on the move. We talk about guys like Tyson Ross and others. You know, could Matt Harvey be on the move? Those are some names to consider. Let's talk about the bats a little bit, though. Real quick here on Roto Experts in the morning. These are some guys. This is what I think is really important if you are in AL or NL only leagues. We talk about this a lot. You got to save some of your fab budget. Okay, and I expect a couple of big boys to be switching from the AL to the NL. Manny Machado, we hear about all the time. Will it be the Cubs? Will it be the Arizona Diamondbacks? Will it be another team out there? There's talk of even the Dodgers, someone making a big splash for Manny Machado. A lot of these teams are going to be NL teams. You look at the AL contenders, you know, Boston doesn't need a shortstop. The Yankees don't need a shortstop. Houston certainly doesn't. The Angels don't. The Indians don't. So if Machado is going to move, it is going to be. in my opinion, to a National League contender. So that means if you're in an NL-only league, save some fab budget. All of a sudden, Manny Machado, I believe, will be available. The other name that we've heard rumblings about is Josh Donaldson. Okay, Josh Donaldson, in his contract year, you know they have the stud, Vlad Gamero Jr., on the way up. He is coming all the way up like his name is French Montana, and that's going to be coming soon. Okay, so that could clear the way for Josh Donaldson to move. I believe, you know, think about the St. Louis Cardinals, for example, okay? That's a lineup that can use some heft. Remember, they got Ozuna and others, Pham contributing again this year. But the Cardinals had interest in Donaldson last year. So now when he could be just a rental, that could be an idea. The other name I want to consider also at the third base position is Mike Moustakis. Remember, the Royals have said they are open for business. They say they are open for business. Moustakis was on a one-year deal after, you know, kind of turning down the qualifying offer um, in free agency last year. So he is someone who could be you know a hired kind of gun for an offensive team. Again, I think this would have to be in the National League. These uh these contenders in the AL, they are set offensively. They you know, it's not like Jose Ramirez is going anywhere. You know what I mean? So Bregman isn't going anywhere. So think about that. I think what's interesting is that these guys are going to go from AL to NL, Machado, Donaldson, and Mustakas. So really all the more reason to uh you know, save some fab budget. I also, listen, another team that watches the Oakland A's, all right? Here are some names you may not think. These are not the big-time names like the Donaldson, Machados, Moustakas of the world, but they have some guys that I think they could easily move. Jonathan Lucroy at catcher. You know, if someone needs a catcher, think about that. McCann going on the DL for the Astros. Um, Lucroy could be an interesting idea. Um, think about also Jed Lowry. In Oakland okay he could be another guy middle infield if someone needs him and of course listen the Marlins are on uh, are thinking about moving JT Real Muto Starling Castro among others these are guys who could help a team the last guy I'll put, put out there on the White Sox they ain't going anywhere think about an Avasayil Garcia Avasayil Garcia crushes left-handed pitching right and think about a team if you're going to be in the AL facing you know Chris Sale facing Dallas Keuchel you know, um, these are. this is a guy you may want to have, guy rakes against left-handed pitching. Avasayo Garcia, someone who, in my opinion, could also be on the move. When we come back here on Roto Experts in the Morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, I'm joined by my guy Mike Leone over from DailyRoto.com. We talk about DFS slate today and also, generally speaking, how to win a little bit of cash. Mike Leone, when we come back, Roto Experts in the Morning.
0: Why pay high-rake when you can play daily fantasy baseball and pay half the rake on Fantasy Draft? Featuring half-the-rake GPP and head-to-head contests, exclusive VIP experiences, and the most flexible lineup structures in the game, Fantasy Draft is the only DFS site that puts players first. They're also the only site to offer 6 of 7 PGA scoring, dropping your lowest golfer's score. Register today with the code FNTSY for a free $4 entry into a guaranteed winner contest in the sport of your choice. Fantasy Draft, daily fantasy on a level playing field. (laughs) you <laughs>
2: Coming back, it is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We just talked a little bit about how I believe the future of baseball could be contained in this guy, Anthony Siegley. We got a poll question up right now as well. What is the future of rotations in baseball? Is it are, In five or ten years, are we going to still see the five-man rotation? Are we going to have the six-man rotation, which some teams are flirting with, whether it's pushing Shonny Otani back, whether it was last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers using the 10 10- day DL and AAA as a way to basically have a six man rotation. We talk about the Texas Rangers and other teams that have flirted with it. Will teams move more to these bullpen days, you know, and kind of having guys pitch two innings like it's an all-star game or the, the opener of Sergio Romo, or will it be something else, you know, kind of cultivating position players from a young age to be able to to, uh, you know, kind of go if needed for the team. That's the poll question we up have up today. You can hit us up on Twitter, at and Speeds. But I am joined now by Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com. They make millionaires over there on Daily Roto. We talk about them all the time. You can use the promo code $1. But also, listen, they get their DFS article up. Very early in the morning, so if you want to cock-a-doodle, do it and get yourself ready. Daily Roto is the place to go, and we have Mike Leone on right now. Mike, how are you doing this fine morning?
0: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right, Mike. Listen, last week I asked you kind of um, – You know, with all these kids coming up and doing well, Glaber Torres continuing to rake. We see what Austin Meadows is doing. I asked you if kind of like the pricing, you know, was not catching up to these kids performing right away. I want to ask you a different question about the pricing this week. We see what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing, right, with the opener. You know, um, Sergio Romo and others going just for an inning or an inning and a third at the beginning of the game what does that do for the pricing you know for example Ryan Yarbrough for instance you know he's never going to be the quote-unquote starting pitcher but I can tell on days where he might be pitching innings two through six and potentially in line for a win his value you know his pricing has to be far lower is he someone I could even play with if I want to on the same day say go with a Chris Sale or a Max Scherzer and try to sneak it out do you think the pricing is ahead of what? The Tampa Bay Rays are doing
0: yeah you absolutely can use guys like Jarbo, and we actually had him as a pretty good play when they faced the Orioles last week in a spot where you know like you said expensive starting pitching you want to pair him with you want to get some bats in there and he's not really priced like a regular starting pitcher and not only are you getting a price discount on a guy like him but you're getting an ownership discount in tournaments. Right. he went off at like 5% versus the Orioles just because he wasn't listed as the starting pitcher, where if he was listed as the starting pitcher, he probably would have gone off at like 15 to 20%, three to four times higher. And it's actually a better spot for him to come in in that second inning and not have to face those top three guys quarter. Sure. You know, he misses them the first time. So he's actually in a spot where his projection is going to be a little bit better than it would be. And yet he's very cheap and he's lower owned than he would be if he's a starting pitcher. So uh, there's not a lot of opportunity, or I shouldn't say there's not a lot of, but the opportunities to think outside the box in DFS sometimes start to whittle down just because there's so much information out there. Uh, A lot of people are, are up to speed on things. So it's fun to have a situation like this where you can kind of think critically about it and take advantage of something that maybe other people aren't seeing.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you mentioned maybe in a GPP because the ownership is not going to be there. If you're ahead of the curve on this, you know, and that's what you're looking for in some of these big-time tournaments, you need to zig when other people zag, and you need to hit on it, right? So, yeah, maybe I'll on a two-pitch... Uh, two-pitcher format, maybe I'll have Sale, maybe I'll have Scherzer, but then if I go you know, completely different with someone that is not going to be high-owned and I can get an opportunity with a cheap win, and as you mentioned, he doesn't face the big boys in inning number two, You know, there could be an advantage there. Here's another thing I want to ask you about, Mike. Um, you know, on Mondays, on Thursdays, there's generally short shorter slates, right? Tonight I think there's nine games at night, maybe eleven games total on a Thursday, you know, when teams are traveling. Generally speaking, Mike, how do you imp how do you uh kind of Manage your money. Let's say you're playing every day, right? But on Mondays and Thursdays, with less games, less of a player universe, is that more of an opportunity for sharks in the water? Or do you maybe only go to cash games on those kind of days? Do you play it differently ever on days like Monday and Thursday where there's shorter slates?
0: I don't change it up too much unless it's a really short slate. For example, if it's a nine-game slate like it is tonight, Mm -hmm. i play that pretty normal like my my bankroll allotment's not really going to change when you get to like a three or four game slate that's when i start to do things a little bit differently where i'm going to scale back the amount of money i have in play Uh, i might focus a bit more on tournaments than cash games because uh, there's going to probably be heavy overlap in cash games you don't want to get caught up in a situation where you're basically paying the rake because you've just got a lot of overlap with your competitors and it can pay on those really short slates to be pretty contrarian in tournaments because it's really hard to do because a lot of times there's one or two obvious offenses and it's tough to get away from them. But if you can mentally force yourself to do that, you know, just given the variance of baseball, I mean, we talk about it often. I know people probably hearing the variance of baseball, but it's true. If you can get away from the really, really chalky offenses on like a four or five game slate, uh, mm-hmm. You can put yourself in a position where you just need one or two offenses to fail, and all of right. a sudden you've created a ton of leverage on the field. But it's definitely something that's easier said than done when you've got, like, Colorado on a four-game slate at home, and they've got, you know, the mm-hmm. biggest total in that game of 12, and everybody else is, like, nine. Uh, it's definitely easier said than done.
2: Yeah, fair yeah. enough, right? I mean, like, I guess it – it uh it gives you a greater potential to almost like have the nuts, right? If you kind of stack and pick the right stack, but like you say, if, if Coors Field is one of the options, you know, you figure everyone's gonna be there. Let's go. Let's go a little bit deeper into today, Mike. We're talking with Mike Leone from DailyRoto.com. Listen. Today, Mike, is the return of one Clayton Kershaw. He comes from the D- He comes back from the DL facing the Phillies. The Phillies without Reese Hoskins, you know, it looks like he's going to be on the DL uh, for the foreseeable future uh, with a jaw, you know, that fractured jaw. But here's the thing. I think most people, they say, Clayton Kershaw, put him right back in, you know. I kind of have cause for pause, Mike. You know, when he comes back, when he's been on the DL previously, when he comes back, they don't let him go the route right away you know he's not going to be out there pitching a complete game today and to me today at least he fits in kind of the category of like rich hill with the dodgers like he may pitch great but he may only go five and a third you know he may not get that win or that quality start um you know kind of like we saw alex reyes yesterday you know pitch well but only go four innings only go 70 some odd pitchers do you think there's a chance for kershaw to uh be strong like he usually is but just not have the durability today or are you just comfortable running him out there as usual in his return? I'm looking at it exactly the same way you're looking at it. He returned from the DL
0: last season after some time off, and I believe he went six innings, but he only faced 20 batters. And he was, like you said, Rich Hill-esque. He was really good. He just didn't pitch deep. So even though he was efficient, he still couldn't pitch deep. You know, 20 batters face is not a lot. These are the guys that generally face 25-plus batters. Uh, in a given start and in 2016 too he returned from the DL and I think he had a start that lasted three innings pitch so when you're talking about someone that's as expensive as Clayton Kershaw you really want to know that you're getting the bulk of the innings I haven't seen an official pitch count on him or anything but I really wouldn't be surprised if he was limited somewhat and you start to limit him at all I mean you dock him even an inning it's difficult for him to drop right. that price tag and there's a lot of expensive bats to use on this slate so uh, it's a situation where all of a sudden he be- he doesn't become optimal in cash games okay. and then when you look in tournaments you know it's tough to realize that ceiling so the only way i'm playing him in tournaments is if you really think there's a chance that you know we're wrong and he's just gonna face his normal allotment of hitters right out of the gate if you don't think he's going to i think even in tournaments uh he's a pass i did want to Mention one thing you mentioned. Reese Hoskins is out for Philly, and this is more just like a broader point, even though it affects Kershaw specifically tonight. But you get these weird spots in MLB DFS where strikeouts are so important that sometimes you remove a big bat like Hoskins from the lineup, and you think Hmm. it's really good from a DFS perspective. And the risk is certainly lower with the opposing starting pitcher, but you also remove some strikeout potential. Sometimes have like a bigger impact on the projection. It's really weird because sometimes people look at our projections and like Stanton won't be in the lineup for the Yankees and the Mm -hmm. opposing starting pitchers projection will actually go down a little bit and people are like, what the heck? Stanton's not in the lineup. So that's this push and pull. It's definitely higher risk, higher reward to face these power strikeout guys. Um, But overall, that strikeout potential just means so much.
2: No, absolutely. You got to think about the way you earn points in DFS. That's what it comes down to, whether it's DFS or even season long, right? One of the biggest rules is know the settings, you know, and so you make a great point. Yeah. I didn't really think about that, Mike. You know, this idea that um, the strikeout bat, the power bat might not be there, so the risk of them going yard off you is, is is less, but, you know, you may not pile up as many strikeouts. But I completely agree with you. Kershaw, listen, uh, for him to be worth that price tag, he's going to have to go a little bit longer than I think he's going to go today. So let's say this, Mike, if we don't think Kershaw is the lock today, or at least for durability, where are you going on the hill today? You know, on Daily Roto, we talk about some guys like Quintana, Sean Newcomb, Aaron Nola, who has been really good. Lance is also for Houston, um, but he's facing Boston, so I don't know if I like that. Which of these kind of other uh, mid-level Or high mid guys, you go in if you're going away and trying to beat Kershaw tonight? I like Jose Quintana
0: a lot. Mm. I know he struggled quite a bit out of the gate. You know, he's got a 4.69 FIP, uh, his K minus walk percentage. Uh, You got Celia on the next hour. Uh, He likes to take credit for Saab, I think is what he calls it. Um, Stat, yeah. yeah, (laughs) It's nearly half of what it was last season. So he's really struggled, but. Uh, With all that said, it's tough to be in a better spot than he is tonight. The Mets are dead last in ways to run against left-handed pitching. They've got a league-high 27% K rate against left-handed pitching. And guess what? No Cespedes. No Wilmer Flores who crushes left-handed pitching. I mean, if Quintana can't get it done tonight, I don't know when he's going to get it done. And because he struggled, you're getting the price discount. He's in the mid-tier. That price is one of the lower points it's been all season long. So, uh, I know it's not a pitcher that you're probably going to feel comfortable with based on the performance this year, but when you put it all together, even when you do count for some of those struggles, uh, he's the best value on the board.
2: All right. The only thing, though, Mike, you got to watch out for is, you know, you never know there could be a fire out there before the game, and then if they have to evacuate, that could do something to Quintana's <laughs> potential today as well. You, are you concerned about the potential for fire when it comes to Quintana today?
0: <laughs> I'm not. I think I, I feel like I'm missing something. something oh, there was a
2: fire head. in City Field. Oh, there was a big, actual dumpster fire in City Field before the game yesterday. An actual yes, dumpster actual, fire. Yes, wow, actual, actual. D- yeah, yeah, fun. yeah. The Twitter was ablaze, Mike, with uh, all the kind of innuendo there. Everything from you know the representative dubsifier to like wow. yeah, yeah. city field also on the dl for the mets <laughs> you know i guess I've, um, I've just been
0: so i've been so consumed by the colangelo stuff on right. twitter
1: yeah burner yeah. accounts right <laughs> <laughs> fair enough the oh yeah. no, no 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 They're they're, they're all one and the same,
2: right? Burner accounts, fires, yeah. Go check that out, Mike. (laughs) There was an actual fire before the game at City Field yesterday. Um, Pretty apropos, depending on who you ask. Hey, let me ask you this, though, Mike. (laughs) You talk about some high-end bats out there, right? And I need your help. Okay, Mike, as you know, we play Roto-Cleo, right, where we predict someone who's going to go yard every day or someone who's going to get a win. Unfortunately, Mike, you're 0-2 so far. You gave us Joey Gallo oh once. He did not go yard. Last week you gave us, um, I think it was Milwaukee, I think it was Santana you gave us, Domingo Santana, and he did not go yard. Listen, yesterday, right, I was all on this Rocky stack. I was like, oh, the Rockies. Um, I'm going to go with a Rocky right-handed bat because I like the lefty-righty matchup against... Um, Who was it yesterday? Uh, Holland. Yeah, I guess Holland, right? I was like, I like it. Rocky's at home. I'm definitely going. You know where I went? I went Trevor Story, and, of course, Nolan Arenado goes yard. Okay? So here's what I need. I need some insight, okay, because Scott's not here, so I can take advantage of this. Who – give me two players, Mike. One for yourself, but give me someone as a cheat sheet. Who's going yard today, Mike? Okay, so I'll give
0: you – one of the guys I think is like not quite as popular and obvious is Alex Bregman. Uh, okay Drew Pomeranz has really struggled uh, in terms of fly balls and basically all over the board. And Bregman's peripherals are awesome. I know his like actual surface stats and his ISO aren't crazy good so far this season, but a lot of his underlying peripherals are strong. So I like Alex Bregman a lot. Uh, okay. After that, if this Yankees Baltimore game gets played, I think you can see a lot of home runs on the Yankees side. Uh there is a decent amount of rain in the forecast. You gotta keep an eye yeah. out on that. So I'll go you know, I'll facing Andrew and Kastner,
2: I like, I like that too. You know, in the yeah, yards. I'll, I'll Bird. take that. I'll go Ooh, Greg Bird. Let's, let's, the lefty, the lefty yeah. come back in the lineup. Interesting. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Bregman because I'm cheating off of you. But you're gonna go Greg Bird. Hopefully you get off the schneid here, uh Mike because, uh, I mean, I, don't know, want to be like I look to you Sealy for expertise.
0: Stanton.
2: What's that? I can't, yeah, I, I don't want to be like Celia and just take Stanton. Nah, you can't just. take Stanton. You know, he takes J.D. Martinez like 60% of the time. I mean, I guess it's a smart <laughs> move. You know, it's a smart move, but, uh, you know, it's just we're trying to help people out over here. Let me Real quickly, let me ask you, you know, we got this poll question up, Mike. What do you think about the future of baseball? Will five-man rotation stay like 10 years from now? Will there be a six man rotation? Will more teams try to use these bullpens or, or something else? What do you think? Is the five man rotation going away? I don't know if it's going away, but I think what the Rays
0: are doing, starting with a reliever, you know, kind of see what the Brewers are doing with Hayter, giving him more innings mm-hmm. pitched. I think you'll see people maximize that unless the rules change, because I do think it might be interesting if we see some rule changes to kind of force more balls in play somehow, whether it's moving the mound back or it's limiting the amount of valuable pitchers on a team. Because right now, it's all about ramping up velocity, getting strikeouts, right. and you've got enough guys to cover the innings.
2: All right, so we'll see. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, uh, Mike. I hope Greg Bird goes yard for you, but I hope even a little bit more that Bregman goes yaya for me. We'll talk to you next week, all right, Mike? Thanks. All right, sounds good. When we come back on Roto Experts in the Morning, we got our guy Jake Seeley to break this all down. We'll talk NFL. Wide receiver ranks in our number two as well. Come on right back. Roto Experts in the Morning. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You are now tuned in to the Roto-Experts. Roto-Experts in the morning. We are back. Let's cock-doodle-do it. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. We are the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And it's hour number two, so we are joined by Jake Seely, the all-in kid. Jake, I mean, uh, we got Sean Angle graduating from college today. Do you have fond memories of your college graduation, Jake? Mm.
1: Not really. This speaker was miserable. He was talking about water overseas and gallop. I don't even remember. It was just—it was terrible.
2: Oh, did you throw? Did you throw your hat in the air? Because I think that's a hazard. I went to Syracuse, right? So it's in—it was in the Carrier Dome. There were literally thousands of people. You had to keep your head on a swivel, Jake, when all these tassels and and you know corroded cardboard was up in the air. They could take someone's eye out. Did you actually throw your uh, cap uh, cap and tassel? No, I think. All right.
1: It was- Kind
2: of dumb. Well, I, you know, this way you play it safe. It's good. You keep the tassel. I think. Um... You know, I think my mom still has my tassel, like, on her uh, mirror, on her car, or something like that. But I digress. Jake, as we've talked about, it is kind of a um, downtime of the sports calendar. All the stories you hear, the news and notes are who's doing what in OTAs. And, you know, everyone is in the best shape of their lives, right? Everyone is absolutely in the best shape of their lives. And, you know, all the stories are positive. Let's go real quick to Philadelphia. We hear Carson Wentz jogging without a limp, you know, I guess – I looked at your quarterback rankings, Jake. You have Carson Wentz, I believe, at QB6. So that means, correct me if I'm wrong, you expect this to be the case. You expect him to be jogging without a limp because for him to be QB6 for you, you have to expect that he's going to be in all 16 games um, and be ready for week one. Is that correct, Jake?
1: I mean, as of today, I mean, we gotta when I do the rankings right now. It's right, it's May. I mean, I, I
2: can't. So listen. this news encourages, right? You, right? It solidifies that for you. You're not gonna you you keep thinking that he's gonna be ready for week one. Well, at least as of right now, yeah. I mean, like if something
1: happens, I move him back. But even if he only missed week one, I'd probably be good with him there anyway.
2: Okay, okay. So um, you would still take the chance on him in, in your top six. You know, this would be one of the quarterbacks you would draft, actually, maybe spend draft capital instead of having the draft fall to you, even though there is something of a cloud in terms of his rehab. Will he be absolutely ready or will he be 100%, let's say, for uh, week one? You're still comfortable and confident based on the strength of that offense overall, right? No, I am, but
1: that's the thing. Is again, to what I say all the time, and not coming at you, it's just everybody. It's okay. just because I I rank somebody there it doesn't mean you need to spend that price to get him You're not you're not drafting Carson Wentz in the sixth round. That's just what it is. Carson right. Wentz is going to be there. Every draft I've gotten him so far has been late seventh, eighth. So I I think that if you look at it, the fact is is you just you, This is where I think he's going
2: to finish. I see, where he's going to finish. That's the way you do it. Okay, so then let me ask you another one. Um, you have Jordan Reed inside your top ten when it comes to uh, uh, tight ends, right? And this is a guy, I call him Mr. Glass, you know, like the old comic book hero, Mr. Glass, um, because he's never okay. They're talking about, this is another one of these best shape of his life kind of stories, Jake, that, you know, he's working out. I, always, I thought it was funny. The quote that I saw was that he, quote, unquote, looks fine, you know, like that's pretty much a low bar of expectations. Same kind of question, though, Jake. You think he will finish the way you frame it um, inside the top ten? He's got to play games for that to happen. So you think he'll actually, uh, you know, you think he'll actually play, you know, fourteen, fifteen games this year?
1: Well, I mean, again, as of today, we talk about yeah, people. That aren't, these are rankings in May. Can we talk about people that we don't have to worry about injury situations with? I mean, who cares? It, like.
2: What? Go ahead. No. Go ahead. No, no, we, no, no, what was your question? My thing is, no, because I think we should tell people. I think, you know, the the biggest predictor of injuries is past injuries, right? And so I would almost – Not you know, always. of – be, but it's, an, it's a predictor, okay? We talk about the guy, Dr. Ray says this all the time on inside injuries. Yeah, so.
1: it's the same thing. But, okay, so Jordan Reed's getting his toe worked on. He's getting surgery for, for the first time. He tried to play through it. So it mm-hmm. sounds like they're, they're paying attention to it and addressing the fact before the season starts. You know, look at A.J. Pollock in baseball. Past injuries, is it really predictor of the fact that he fell and broke his thumb trying to die for a ball? G- Giancarlo Stanton got hit in the elbow. Was that predictable? Like, all these players, like, if it's if you want to say— Some of these, that's different no, than the soft tissue injuries of Aaron Foster, saying.
2: let's say. Okay, go that,
1: ahead. Okay, that's what I'm saying, is if you have somebody who always is dealing with a knee year after year after year, or, like, I actually put it this way. Leonard Fournette versus Jordan Reed. I think people are more scared by Jordan Reed. I don't think there's a big difference between the two because Leonard Fournette has been dealing with ankle and foot for the past three seasons, all centralized in the same location. Now, if Jordan Reed, we get to preseason and it's a toe issue in week one of the preseason, then right. obviously, yes, we're right, th- we're back down that road and he's going to fall way out of the tight end one rankings. But he has surgery to fix that toe issue. You get that out of the gate, he's not dealing with the toe anymore and Jordan Reed can hopefully stay on the field. So I think there's a difference. Tyler Eifert is a different story. He's dealing with a similar injury situation every single year. So as of today, yes, because if Jordan Reed, forget 14, as your question was, Jordan Reed plays 11 games, he's going to finish as a tight end one. It doesn't take much to be a tight end one if you look at the numbers, and that's why I tell everybody every sure. single year. 550 yards is six touchdowns, 600 yards and five touchdowns, somewhere around there.
2: You're finishing as a tight end one is as sad as that sounds. Yeah, I, I hear you, Jake, and that does make sense to me, okay? The difference between what we call kind of the like, fluke injuries on. versus... Look
1: at last year. 579, yep. Hunter Henry and four touchdowns was tight end 12. Jason Witten at 560 and five was tight end 10. That's right. how miserable the tight end position is.
2: No, I get that tight end falls off a cliff after, in my opinion, the top three, right? So I guess, to be honest, Jake... Here's here's my here's my point on this with some of these injury guys, right? When you're doing rankings or when we're advising people out there that are listening, part of the equation has to be the risk that is involved with these players, right? That just has to be part of the equ- equation when you're calculating. And because of previous injury history, some players are greater risk than others. Now, Jake, especially in the tight end position, because as you mentioned, outside of the Gronks, the Kelsey's and the Ertz of the world, right? You know that that kind of next tier or however you want to call it. You can find guys that are going to get me 500 yards, that might get me 50 catches, that might get me five touchdowns, because I believe there's a number of guys like that, right? Whether it's Jack Doyle, whether it's, uh, you know, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Greg Olson, Charles Clay, uh, you know, these guys. So given that, wouldn't you, you know, trend towards a guy with a safer floor with less risk? No. No. Yeah, look, I'm doing the
1: projections again. So you just talked about the fact that you don't have to draft Carson Wentz where Carson Wentz is ranked. I'm right. ranking Jordan Reed on what I'm projecting him for. 70 receptions, 671 yards and five touchdowns. That's his projections as of right now. I'm not going to give somebody I'm not going to draft Charles Clay just because I want to safer floor because Charles Clay is going to do what he does every single year and still miss games himself. What is Trey Burton going to do? Trey Burton hasn't done anything, anything by now. Adam Shaheen is still there. He doesn't have a safe floor. Like, where's the safe floor, guys? At tight end, who deserve to be there in front of Jordan Reed?
2: Um, that deserve to be in your rankings, let me bring them up. Let's see who do I think is safer. Um, I think Doyle could be safer. I mean, he's only one spot behind. Oh, I'm looking at. Oh, I'm looking at half point PPR scoring. I guess. Um, oh, look at half
1: point PPR because that. You want me to go days. standard? If I'm going yeah, so standard, e- e- no, I see read st- as your 10. Pick okay. Standard or PPR. The half-point PPR tries to predict for you.
2: That's i oh, okay. always hated. So, looking trend. at standard, no, I mean I'm saying in the in guys in this neighborhood, I don't know Cameron Brait. Cameron Brate nope. is gonna, you nope. know, is a is a red zone guy for Tampa. Is that safer? O.J. Howard is coming. I know O.J. Howard is there. You know, I hear you. I hear you that there is. I mean, Jack Doyle would be a guy that I put up. I happen to like some of the guys behind them a little bit more. I like uh, I like Trey Burton to take a step in that Nagy offense in the case Kelsey. you ignoring Adam Shaheen. I, you're right, i I loved Adam Shaheen coming out of college last year. I thought he could be a great guy. You know, is it possible that Njoku takes a step forward as a second year tight end and what should be a better offense? You know, I'm just looking for reasons, but at the same time, I just think risk is a part of it, you know, and I'm going to stay and there's far, risk with all far away. those guys. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I personally am going to stay far, far away from guys like Jordan Reed, guys like Tyler Eifert, just because, I, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you kind of thing, Jake. That's just But here's you know, the thing, you don't have folks. to
1: draft Jordan Reed until the 13th, 14th round.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And, and to your point, because there is that kind of rough underbelly in that tier, and it's a pretty wide tier, you know, I guess maybe you're right, and you go for the upside because As soon as he does, in fact, get hurt in week three, there'll be a kind of, uh, forgive the term, but like replacement value guy that you could pick up and insert. Maybe an Njoku will still be out there or something like that. Maybe, uh, you know, a Vance McDonald, who I personally am high on, um, will still be out there, that sort of thing. So, you know, I I just think it's interesting. I, I just laughed, Jake, when I saw the report, Jordan Reed looking fine, you know, cutting on his toe. To me, it's like, eh. But we'll see what happens. This guy inevitably will get banged up, in my personal opinion. You know, And if you can get 16 games out of him, you're right. You're going to get someone who's going to well, wind up tight I in just five. need 12. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we'll see. Listen, hey, Jake, what about this? One place, you know, I talk about these greatest shape of his life kind of stories and people who are doing well at OTAs. Here is one player where I think it matters tremendously. Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, Teddy Bridgewater, Jake, is apparently lighting up OTAs for the Jets, looks like the best quarterback on the field, and I'm not saying that necessarily he's going to beat out Josh McCown or he's going to be the bridge. I still think this is McCown for seven or eight games and then Darnold for seven or eight or nine games, but I do think Bridgewater presents a very interesting opportunity. The Jets signed him for only like six million dollars, I think it was, you know, with depending on like the incentives that are out there. This guy, if he proves to be healthy, this is a guy who was a pro bowler, who a lot of people liked, you know, kind of as an ascending talent there in Minnesota. If he is healthy, and then when the inevitable, you know, Andy Dalton injury hits or Ryan Tannehill injury hits, right? Or you know. When, when a team realizes that they're out of the mix, you know, could Bridgewater really start to uh, kind of, oh, I don't want to say boost his narrative, but, you know, boost the market for himself. The Jets don't necessarily need him if McCown is the guy and they know then they're passing the torch to Darnold. Could Bre- Bridgewater actually um, uh, give himself some opportunity, showing himself to be healthy at this time of year?
1: I don't think so because I don't think the fact is the Jets are going to let him go. You don't think they flip him? No, for what? nobody's like nobody's going to trade that much for him. Nobody's going to unless they're desperate. To, the only type of situation you're going to get is the Vikings last year, and it's not the Vikings like Sam Bradford, where we are seeing Bradford lead a team for an entire year. Teddy Bridgewater had a mediocre at best rookie season. He actually threw the, for the same amount of touchdowns in more games his second season. He hasn't really proven much at the NFL level because it's still only 14 touchdowns. I don't care how good he plays this preseason. Nobody's going to give up significant capital for him, and I don't think anybody's going to turn the reins over to him, similar to the Vikings situation where they lost their quarterback and said, oh, let's go get Bradford. We need somebody to play immediately, or the Case Keenum situation I meant with Bradford and Keenum. So you look at that, I don't, I don't see that being the same scenario. I think somebody, if anybody's going to get them, is, it'll be a late-round flyer. And for that point, I don't see any reason for the Jets to get rid of them because they're paying them nothing. And so th- for the Jets, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Nice little insurance
2: policy. Right. For them.
1: It, it, so what you're kind of hoping is it's you would get more of the unknown. So for the Jets scenario, I would almost say that you let him play in the preseason a little bit, but the problem is there's gonna a lot of snaps are gonna to go with to Darnold and McCown. So how much are we really gonna to get to see? So what you hope is that he's healthy on the bench. Maybe people get to see him in practice and stuff like that. And then that hope of the unknown next year, you know, they slap a franchise or do something. I just I think more of this his value is gonna grow being on that team than it would be just a couple showings in the preseason.
2: All right, well, you know, whether they put him in mothballs or not, you know, for this season, <laughs> they, they, they may have an asset there that they didn't necessarily think they had. You know, they went ahead I and think got Bridgewater before the draft. Like, okay, but so so maybe for the just is, needs to
1: become a coach at this point anyway. So maybe right. And back, right, and he's probably going to the baton.
2: Right, and he's probably going to pass the baton around Halloween, depending on how the season goes, right? I would like to see Darnold get some starts this year, get his feet wet, things of that nature. And you uh, could have be surprised ass- if it's week one. Really? You think? You which quarterbacks do you think start week one? You think Darnold starts week one? Well, I mean, I think Rosen is probably going to be the first one to start. In my opinion, I think Rosen is going to be the first one to start, mostly because you know we talk about injury risk. I think Sam Uh, Bradford also made out of glass. You know, (laughs) so I think Rosen is maybe one of the first ones to start.
1: No, I actually think that if if you're telling me right now, and all the quarterbacks in front of these guys are healthy, I actually think he's the last one. Because Sam Bradford is not coming out of the game and not going to stop it. Like, he perform- he performs too well for them to make the change if he doesn't outside get Outside of health.
2: Right. Outside right. of health. So, then- outside of health, then it's probably Josh Allen, right? Because he has a chance of beating out A.J. McCarron.
1: No, no, I think Baker's got a chance to beat out Tyra Tyra Ty- Taylor's fine. But let's be realistic about Tyrod Taylor's ceiling. It's not there. There's nothing there. He's one of the greatest floor fantasy players and fine fantasy quarterback. I think Darnold Allen and Mayfield all have a chance to start week one if they perform. Well, you don't invest this kind of capital. And if they're playing even on a level playing field of the incumbent, not probably hand over the reins because of what you
2: invested in this player. Right. I mean, when you when you spend that much to go get the player, especially in this day and age, this is not. These are not the years where a, a quarterback would sit there and learn for a few right. years. People like want to see their investment. Me. They want to see think it now. Of,
1: think of it, Dane. If you th- if you see yep. Baker Mayfield come out and perform the exact same numbers to Tyrod Taylor in the preseason, and a lot of it's probably with the second unit, and then you say we this number one pick, you, you don't have a chance that he starts week one?
2: Um, I you know I'm a little higher on Tyrod than you. Um, but I'm just I think saying, Ty- they uh, had the
1: same preseason,
2: same preseason numbers. Yeah, I you, think you, you, they're going to want to get him out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're going to want to get him out what there. What are you waiting for? Oh, see, here's what I think. Here's the thing that I think is the 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 risk in what you're talking about, right? If he doesn't beat him out in preseason, I think there's a universe where uh, Tyra Taylor actually performs pretty well with this Cleveland Browns offense because I think he has more weapons than he ever had in Buffalo. I think, you know, if, if the Browns are three and three to start the season, you know, and are kind of floating along and you and I both think that they may take a step forward this year, may win more games this year, that the Brown I mean, that the Bengals and the Ravens may be on the way down in that division. Um, if they're kind of floating along at 500 or just below, then I don't think they pulled the trigger on the change. If he beats them out going into week one. That's a different story, but I can see uh, Tyrod Taylor taking advantage of having a Josh Gordon, a Jarvis Landry, a three-headed monster at running back, and actually start to do well, and then maybe they don't pull the plug, and he kind of, they kick the can down the road a little bit, Tyrod maintains his life. I see that as a possibility.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. If, so if he starts, Tyrod Taylor's out there week one and this team is winning and they certainly have an easier first half schedule than the second half, mm-hmm. they're, not go, they're not going to pull the plug. And then would it would not be until probably late in the season once they're out of playoffs at that point. Right. So uh, I agree with you. My point being is the week one scenario. Like if, May, if Mayfield doesn't win out by week one, it's going to take a lot to yank Ty then Tyrod it'll be Taylor be Then it'll be
2: week 10, 11, or 12 when all, you know, when all the yeah, story is already written. Unless
1: Tyrod falls on his face
2: for three straight weeks. <laughs> right or unless uh you know, unless like at the uh, end of that playoff game, he gets concussed like he probably did the last play against Jacksonville at the end of that game. Hey, Jake, one of the things we're going to do as we move along, you know, you put up your rankings on uh, rotoexperts.com, the mark of fantasy excellence, and you have your post-draft rankings. We talked a little bit about quarterback. We've talked a little bit about the tight end position. I wanted to dive into wide receivers with you for a little bit here on rotoexperts in the morning. I find I find some things in your wide receiver rank rankings. Very, very interesting. Uh, Jake, let me start off with this. I saw on pro football focus. They had a great piece about kind of the lifespan of a wide receiver versus a running back, things of that nature. And that, you know, the peak running back is like year four or five. They say that after year eight, specifically for wide receivers, they start to be on the decline. Okay, that you know when they start to hit age thirty, much like other players, they're starting they're starting to be on the decline. A lot of guys in the top ten these days are right around that age. I'm thinking about Julio Jones. I'm thinking about AJ Green. I'm thinking about Doug Baldwin. Obviously Antonio Brown as well. Um, do you think any of these guys? Are on the decline and get risked by getting hopped by coming up and young, uh, up and coming kids, the Devontae Adams, the Mike Evans, the Odell Beckhams. Do you buy into that, you know, wide receivers will decline at that stage of their career, generally speaking?
1: No, because they generally don't. They generally don't start decline until into the, like, well into the 30s, like 33, 34, 35. I mean, just, this isn't the running back situation. And at the same time, We're also at a different day and age where players are – look at the quarterback. Look at Tom Brady playing until his 40s. Aaron Rodgers wants to do the same thing. It's a different day than even 10 years, let alone 20 years ago, where all those numbers are coming from and all those numbers just don't matter anymore. But wide receivers don't really start to fall off until you get significantly – it's not – like I said, running back, it's 30, and oh, my God. Wide receivers, it's 33, 34, then you start having concerns.
2: Okay, so no concerns about some of these top guys. Hopefully A.J. Green continues to eat his avocados and be on the Tom Brady you know, diet, drinking that water and wearing the Uggs. It's certainly working for Tom Brady. Um, Jake, one of the wide receivers I definitely want to talk to you about, and I'm looking at PPR rankings right now just so that we're looking at it the same, number 11 is T.Y. Hilton. And I know this is May, and I know we're assuming. Just tell me, what, where would T.Y. Hilton go if we get bad news on Andrew Luck? You know, I mean, like, because if I'm going to take him, if I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton, you have him as your wide-out 11, right? So, to me, what is that? That's back end of the second round, you know, maybe early third, something like that. Are, are oh, you... No,
1: P.P.R., that's middle of, that's middle of sure. the second round of P.P.R. But,
2: but still, regardless, Jake, I mean, if you're not getting good news on Andrew Luck, how big is the impact on a guy like T.Y. Hilton?
1: Same as what it was last year. He falls down to a high-end wide receiver three. It's just it's what he is. It's the fact is if you had Jacoby Brissett or whatever it is at quarterback, right? You know, that's he's going to be a wide receiver three. There's nothing you can do about it. It all comes down to Andrew Luck. But that's why this is why if you draft now, you have to understand what you're doing. Either one, you're getting a great discount on T.Y. Hilton because he's not going in the second round in drafts. It's not even going to the third. He's going in the fourth round or later in drafts because everybody's worried and has no idea what's going on with Andrew Luck. If you know Andrew Luck is fine in the preseason, starts playing week one. You just got an amazing value because T.Y. Hilton's borderline round one if Andrew Luck is at quarterback. It, you know, so that's what you do is if you draft now, same thing in all fantasy sports. If you draft this early, you either potentially get a great reward or right. you potentially get something that busts out. Think about the people who already drafted and took Hunter Henry. That's just what happens. Right. There's, there's a good, there's an upside and downside always to drafting super early because last year at this time too, you were getting Dalvin Cook in the fourth, Kareem Hunt sure. in the seventh, and the eighth. So. When you get to August, these guys are going in the second and third
2: round. Yeah, I mean, it is a gift and a curse, as you say, Jake. As I look, again, in your PPR rankings, you know, kind of a little bit lower. Looking at that back end, that back end wide receiver two, the be- the beginning of the wide receiver threes, I see a number of names that are in new places, okay? Like Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry at 21-22, Michael Crabtree a little bit further down at 28. Um, I know you could always just check the link, and that's how you rank them. But which of these guys do you think goes into kind of the better situation that gives them more of an opportunity to flourish, uh, given their new scenario and their new situation, new faces and new places out of these guys? Well, who was the third? I thought you were just going through names.
1: No, no, no. In it general. was AR-15
2: at 21, Jarvis Landry yeah. at 22, yeah. and Michael Crabtree at 28. I said, who was these the are third? I heard the first two. <laughs> all right, Crabtree. I'm trying to you know, make, it all, make my all general thesis for you. New faces, new places, Jake do you want
1: the best floor? Do you want the best situation? Like, because the best floor is Michael Crabtree because Joe Flacco is going to continue to throw the ball. He's going to continue to throw the ball six yards at a time. So you're going to get a ton of receptions, but not a very high ceiling for Michael Crabtree. He's great in PPR. You want to talk about a great situation as somebody who think I could be great this year is Trubisky in his breakout season. And Alan Robinson is just way too talented. And he is truly the number one with who should eat up a ton of the shares and targets for the bears. So, I like Alan Robinson with the best situation, but if you're just talking about who should actually get great
2: floor value in PPR, it's actually going to be Crabtree. Really? Okay. Because he will be that number one option in and for Flacco, you believe? Yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, when you think about it, like did you, you just said, it's You got me? No, 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 yeah, no. Like edi- just... <laughs> I was editing not editing any articles. I was going to go into my comparing... answer
1: and then repeat the answer. I was
2: <laughs> I did, but I was going to go into it a little bit deeper because, listen, in Chicago, they're building around a lot of weapons out of Trubisky. They're trying to do the same in Cleveland. A lot of options, what I call the fantasy herd, you know, a lot of options instead of just one that you can go to week in, week out. All right, here's what I want to do, Jake. We're playing with a little bit of a different clock today, right? So we're going to have to go to break in a second. When we come back, I got a couple more questions I want to ask you about wide receivers, you know, some rookies that are out there, best situations for them. And also, you mentioned the Hunter Henry uh, injury. I saw Mike Williams at wide receiver 52 from you. I want to see if there's a potential to move him up as well. But I also got to remind people, Jake, that they can go on over to mybookie.ag. Okay, use the player prop tool. If you're sick of playing DFS where, like, 75 90% of your lineup hits and that's still not good enough, you can go on over to mybookie.ag with the player props. Set your own lines. Set your own props. And you can really... Do work. Go on over to mybookie.ag. You will get a fifty percent deposit bonus if you enter the promo code FNTSY. That's all you got to do. Go there, open an account, enter the promo code fantasy. You get fifty percent on your deposit bonus. Make the player use the player props tool, and you really uh you're gonna start to collect your winnings. Jake, we got a poll question up as well on Twitter. I asked everybody about kind of the future of Major League Baseball rotations. Will they stay as five men? Will we start seeing a proliferation? of these bullpen days? Will teams go to a six-man rotation? We've seen it with Otani. We've seen it with teams. I remember the last year, the Dodgers using the DL and AAA as well. What is the future of baseball? We got that poll question up. When we come back, a couple more questions for Jake around his wide receiver rankings. And then we get into Roto-Cleo, where unfortunately all of us struck out yesterday. We get back on the schneid. When we come back, it is Roto-Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports. Radio Network Dane and Jay, Keep it locked Come on right back Want a chance to win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game?
1: Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. There you'll find a link to a free DFS baseball contest every day. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, and they're looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. Find out how you can help and play in free DFS contests with a shot at winning two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Go to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com slash DKMS.
2: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, 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 2 Welcome back to Proto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the all-in kid, Jake Sealy. No Scott Angle today. We congratulate his son, Sean, graduating college. Jake doesn't... Jake has lukewarm memories of his graduation. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing really moves the needle for Jake too much except... You know, fluctuations in the wide receiver rankings. And that's what we were talking about a little bit before with Jake. We talk about, you know, some of the new faces in new places. We talk about the impact of quarterbacks on a guy like T.Y. Hilton. You know, maybe the same case can be said. You know, what do you think? What do you think, Jake? I, I look at how you have both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, you know, inside your top 20, right? I am an owner of Stephon Diggs in dynasty settings, you know, so I love how you have both of these guys in the top 20, right? In years past, maybe you had guys like Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders. You know, people like that, these combos. What do you think? You think both of these guys will be able to be strong, even with the change to a new quarterback and the return of Dalvin Cook? Wouldn't Dalvin Cook eat into some of that production? And also, I always, I always worry a little bit when there's new you know, a new scheme or a new quarterback. You think that Cousins will step right in there and it'll be a seamless transition for both these guys?
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about any of those things because the fact is, as we've talked about it so many times before, Saquon Barkley with the Giants. So the fact that there's a running back doesn't mean you're going to lose more from the receivers. It's just not like, well, the running back's rushing for 1,300 yards, and now the fact is... The Vikings still ran last year. They still had a productive backfield with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. The fact is is just the backfield is going ninety percent to Dalvin Cook now. It has nothing to do with wide receivers, and that's what people get too hung up on. It's like Saquon Barkley, if you look at this, the fact is He was exceptionally productive in college. He's coming over and producing the Giants' backfield, which Mm -hmm. had a good amount of production last year with Wayne Gallman and the rest of the – if you actually look at what the Giants' backfield produced last year – In aggregate, right? (laughs) Exactly. And and that's the point is people get too hung up on this, is the fact that you look at the production – And all people just, oh, well, you know, this guy is playing a better version of that backfield. He's going to take away. It's not. He's just going to assume all of that. And maybe the numbers get a little bit better in the case like Barkley. And Dalvin Cook is a great player overall. But Kirk Cousins is also going to perform better than Case Keenum in the passing game. So I'm not concerned at all. I think Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are going to have terrific seasons. The only concern I have is knowing Kirk Cousins' tendencies and the fact that he does like the slot – is how is the wide receiver situation going to shake out because if Adam Thielen is in the slot, that's even better for Adam Thielen. If Adam Thielen's outside and Taylor Gabriel or is it not Taylor Gabriel, is it Taylor Gabriel? Who's the the other one? Because I know Laquan no, is a
2: Chicago. Oh Laquan, I know. that's, that's Michael Floyd Treadwell. over there still?
1: No, not, not Michael Floyd. Uh, yeah, I'll give I, it to you right now.
2: Don't worry about it. going me bring it up. So oh, Kendall pressure. Wright, Kendall Wright. Thank you, thank you.
1: Yes, I knew there's somebody like that. Kendall Wright. There if you Kendall go. Wright wins the slot job, and Adam Thielen's outside. That could actually make Kendall Wright a deep sleeper, and what? then hurt Adam Thielen a little bit, but not Adam Thielen's like off the chart.
2: All right, let me ask you this, okay? Because, you know, in my my biggest stakes, Dynasty League, you know, I'm I'm asking about some of the players. You know, Diggs is my wideout two. D-Hop is my wideout one. The guy I'm slating right now is my wideout three. This is a PPR format, and you just talk about the tendency of the quarterback, right? Let's look at the other side of this cousin thing, and that's Alex Smith in Washington. As we know, for a long time, Alex Smith has had the narrative of being someone who will not risk it down the field, the check down Charlie of it all, started throwing the ball down field a little bit more last year, and when he was doing that, you know, he was like an early MVP candidate at the beginning of the season, right? He goes to Washington. I, I am excited for the way that his style matches up with Jamison Crowder. Personally, um, could Jamison Crowder in PPR settings push to be a wide receiver three? I know you have him kind of in your mid to late 30s, but in PPR formats with Alex Smith, who does like to dump it down a little bit. I can see a lot of short crossing routes to Jamison Crowder. Is there a universe where Crowder can push into that wide receiver three conversation?
1: Well, he's 37, so he's right there. He's barely missing it. You know, like, you're but be we're legit- talking about nitpicking. the
2: tendencies. You just talked about the tendencies of Cousins. No, no, I know. So I wanted well, to build this with
1: Alex Smith. I'm saying he beats out one person. He's a wide receiver three. That's what I'm saying. I would say, like, you're nitpicking sure. for one 12 spot 12 times there. three is 36
2: after yeah, all. And, and you do this based on 12-team leagues? That's what we Always. say? Uh, so, as opposed to, okay, so, okay.
1: If you want to say top 30, if you want to say top 25, so he's fringe wide receiver two. Yeah, there's a certain, there's definitely a case there because if Josh Doxon okay. doesn't fulfill his promise, like we've been waiting for, you think then, Jordan Reed's playing 14 games? So no, right, that could about be a to problem. Say, if Jordan Reed's out by week four. That's going <laughs> right. to change
2: things. Okay, fair And Chris Thompson healthy as well. You know, he if was also. If everybody's healthy, I
1: I think he's going to get left out. From the okay,
2: um, I'm hopeful that it's a match made in heaven, though Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder. Uh, Jake, the last guy I want to ask you, you talked about how you know it's a, it's a, it's a a work in process, right? It's a living, breathing document, your ranks. We know you talked about people drafting early and then suffer maybe the loss of Hunter Henry. We talked about how Mike Williams might stand to benefit. You have him right now as wide receiver 52, I'm looking at, in your PPR ranks. Already, it looks like you are you know higher than the consensus on him. Um, was this – did you – edit this or adjust this after the Henry injury, or is this post Hunter Henry for Mike Williams at number 52? Because I think he could be a little bit higher even without Henry.
1: Uh, yes, because you yes, asked the same question two different ways. <laughs> so yes to both. <laughs> so, yes. I just, so yes, he was already hot before the injury, and he moved up slightly. He was already in the top 60. He moved up a few spots after the Hunter Henry injury because we talked about this before. And the time that it happened, I told you, I think Tyrell Williams is the one that benefits from Hunter Henry being hurt because Williams was going to be the one left out. Tyrell, not Mike. I guess we should just use the first name. Clarify our Williams Yeah. yeah. Because people forgot about Mike Williams and that the draft capital spit on this guy because he's a terrific talent and he's a terrific red zone threat. And he's a terrific big body wide receiver. And he is going to be the number two. He was going to be the number two, even before Hunter Henry got hurt because he's a wide receiver and he doesn't care about Hunter Henry a wide receiver. So Tyrell Williams was going to get kicked to the side and see more inconsistency despite being a good red zone wide receiver in his own right. So Again, to go back to that conversation we had, I think the Hunter-Henry injury helps Tyrell. Mike Williams went from about, I think he was like 56 or 57, and he jumped to 52, Not that's a huge jump. But he moved up a few spots, and honestly, if they go down the path, I believe this is more speculation right now is why he's not even higher because there still is a chance that he isn't a true number two, and this is similar to the Seahawks where number two and number three Already, You know, almost rotate who's on the field at times, and they share that duty almost. It's almost not wide receiver by committee, but you understand what I'm saying. If Mike Williams clearly is the number two and is on the field as the number two all the time, he's not going to be 52. He's going to be in the top 40.
2: Yeah, fair enough. In that kind of uh, Chargers offense, which I do expect to be able to produce, the number two wide receiver is definitely going to be viable in fantasy. There's a little bit of a look at Jake Seeley's rankings. These things will be kind of an evolving document as things move on. Where does Brandon Marshall slot in? You know, he just signed for Seattle. I know maybe you haven't had a chance to update that. Where would you slide in Brandon Marshall at this point, Jake? I don't know. I got to do the projections, and then you're going to have to check the link.
1: All right, that fair that enough. Easy. That's why I like used the
2: hashtag yeah, check it's probably, the link. I mean, when do we expect no that prob- to happen, Jake? Come on, let's crack what, the whip. When's your deadline what, over there on rotoexperts.com? When, whatever the hell I feel like getting to it. I'm working on the entire thing. Okay. I wonder if you'd be saying that with the King Scott angle to manage to get her over there whenever I feel like it. I like that take, Jake. The you draft know, kit's coming out in
1: the it. middle of June. You got a week and a half or so or whatever, so just pe- everybody can chill out, and be patient. Uh All he right. pro- Sit you know, tight. honestly he's you know, Tyler Lockett's fifty five, so Tyler Lockett's gonna fall back. He'll probably be in that
2: sixties that range. range. All right. Fair enough. Maybe only in very deep leagues as a flex option, potentially, depending on how deep your league is. Jake, you mentioned around the middle of June. I'm excited. As we turn the page to June, we're going to get it going. We're going to start maybe team by team, division by division previews here, getting you ready for fantasy football. We're going to kick off next week, Jake, our face of baseball brackets. You know, we got to normalize these 16 seeds when Scott is back tomorrow. So a lot of fun we're planning on having over the summertime to get you ready. Uh, for fantasy football this year, but in fantasy baseball Jake one of the things we do every day is our game roto Clio. Okay, what we do is we pick someone who's going to go yard or steal a base or get a hit and then on the pitching side, um, you know, we do the same with saves quality starts and wins. Unfortunately, Jake, we were all shut out yesterday. Okay, you were on the Angels, and unfortunately that didn't go well. Upton did not go yard. Otani did not get the win. Um, our guy J-Rod went 0 for 2 as well. Remember how I said, Jake, how I really like the Colorado Rockies at home in the righty-lefty matchups against, uh, I think it was Freeland yesterday? And I was like, oh, a righty's diff- definitely going to go yard. And I was picking between Arenado and Trevor Story. I went with Trevor Story, so you know, of course, Nolan Arenado has to go yard, right? Well, I didn't get a win of Jackson either. I know. I know. And, and like, JD, Martin. I wanted
1: to go bold. I was like, uh, you know what? I'm looking at the matchup. He's, he's facing Sal Romano. I was like, right. you know what? Goldschmidt's <laughs> going to wake up tonight and get a home run, yep. and I didn't do it.
2: I should have went with it. His first home run at home on the season, maybe Goldie's waking up all of a sudden after the uh... – yeah, you know, he's hitting 209, Jake, so sound the alarm. He could be on the upswing. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And you also could have gone with your guy, J.D. Martinez, who oh, did, Every fact, hit J.D. Martinez every day. <laughs> every day. He did his, what, like his 17th or 18th home run. But they're facing the Astros now, Jake, so you may want to stay away from J.D. Martinez, at least for the next few games. So here's what I want to do. I also got to tell you the truth, Jake, in our, in our previous hour, when I had Mike Leone on from Daily Roto, I tried to kind of use him as a resource, you know, because he knows what he's talking about in terms of DFS. He thinks that the Yankees going down to Camden Yards against Andrew Kashner. Remember, I tried to get home runs in Camden Yards against Andrew Kashner. Well, Mike Leone says it sets up really well. He likes Greg Bird to go yard today for the New York Yankees. What do you think about that,
1: Jake? I definitely think that's interesting, especially for the fact that I just traded him away this past week, the day of. Oh, really? Yeah. and it's just a couple things happened so greg bird and then i benched well i'll, I'll tell you because i gonna save when we get to my pick uh okay. but i traded Greg. greg it, the tr- i'd still do the trade as of today it was greg bird and two other players they're all all three were quality players to get back slight upgrades at my two positions it was inclu- including gregory polanco and chris taylor for shortstop i sent Kozar mm-hmm. bird and i forget the third person or uh i can't think off the top of my head Solaire? I forget. In any that case, point being, the very first day, Greg Bird hits a home run, and my guy actually strikes out, goes over four, so I got negative points. So the, oh like, wow, that's just, yeah,
2: that's you know that's just what happens. So yeah, that's these it's things. Life. These things can happen. <laughs> these things can happen. So let's spin it forward, though, uh, Jake. I'm surprised this would be. You know, I don't know that you've gone two straight days. Without getting something, you know, conditional formatting to green in our spreadsheet. So where are you going today? Let's start. Uh, let's start in the batter's box. Uh, who do you like to do work today, Jake?
1: Well, there you go. So that works. Uh, so I benched Carlos Santana early this season after getting frustrated because I actually had decent first base options, and Carlos Santana. That was the week he just had to get 13 RBIs in one week. So right. that was very <laughs> frustrating. So he woke up. So I'm doing the same thing. This, so I benched Nelson Cruz this week because I had options. And he's miserable. Mm. But he's on a three-game hitting streak. He's waking up. And what does he always do against lefties? He's facing a lefty tonight, and that lefty just happens to be Mike
2: Miner. So yeah. I'm going
1: with Nelson Cruz to hit a bomb
2: tonight. Nelson Cruz to hit a home run. We're going to skip Scott. I hope he gets his Roto Expert pick in. Scott, what do we do? Uh, Jake, what do we do? You know, he's celebrating the graduation of his son. If he misses coming to post, what do we do? Do we just uh, – he just takes the zero?
1: No, we got a – so Adam Engel gets a hit. So Ah, so if, uh, if I like that.
2: <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's what we do. Anybody – yeah, we go for I mean, Adam Engel in Chicago. That's his default pick yeah. um, and then, if, in like, fact, he doesn't get it in. But everybody,
1: we got, we got anybody that starts with a Scott today? No,
2: I don't know. Let's look. Uh, the name that is Sean. closest to Scott, Sean Engel. Newcomb's pitching. Sonny, what about Sonny Gray? Because it's no, 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 no. Sean, New- that's Sean
1: Newcomb's pitching.
2: We got Sean. that so would Sean be the close. Okay, so we can get Sean's on both sides. So Adam but,
1: Engel for the hit and Sean Newcomb for the win. If he, uh,
2: if he doesn't that would represent <laughs> the joyous occasion, well, I'm gonna go... then you get Sean Engel. Yeah. 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 I like it. You're putting two and two together and getting five. I like what you're doing, Jake. That's why he is the all in kid. All right. Jake is going with uh, Nelson Cruz Cruz to go yard. Listen, I'm looking at these lineups. I look at Ryan Carpenter getting the start for Detroit. I look at his 8.31 ERA. And honestly, Jake. I gotta go. I'm, I'm down, right? I gotta catch up. And who have I said is having maybe the best season of all time? It's a guy I have not used yet this season. So I'm gonna take the easy route. I'm gonna go Mike Trout today. I'm gonna go Mike Trout. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the easy route. You know, if I'm gonna use the day I'm using Mike Trout, might as well be a day that he's facing someone with an ERA over eight. So I'm gonna take the easy route. I'm going with Mike Trout today. Um, I think he's gonna go yard. I might even be more conservative and say that he's just gonna get a hit. We shall see. But for now, let's say he goes yard. Because of the snake draft, Jake, I'm gonna give you my pitcher right now as well. I talked about it with Mike Leone. You know, Kershaw is coming back today, right, Jake? And so a lot of people would be like, oh, Kershaw, put him in right away. Not so fast, in my opinion. We talked about this with Mike. When he comes back off the DL in his last couple times coming back, he may be great, but I don't know how long he's going to go. Mike Leone mentioned he's never faced more than 20 batters in his first start coming back. They've got the Philadelphia Phillies. He's got Aaron Nola on the other side. So I believe that this is a game that is going to go to the bullpens. I think Kershaw's going to pitch well. I think Nola's going to pitch well. I take the under on this game, but I also like, what uh, Los Angeles is doing, give me Kenley Jansen for a save today. So I'm going to go trout uh, at the dish, and I'm going to go Jansen to get a save today because I think Kershaw and Nola, uh, you know, matches up as a pitcher's duel, low-scoring game, and the Dodgers are going to go to the bullpen. They're not going to let Kershaw go the route in his first game back off the DL. So give me a save for Kenley Jansen. What do you got, Jake?
1: Yeah, so you, you didn't go with Greg Bird or any of the other Yankees? I was going to ask that when you were on your hitter. For You didn't go any of
2: that route after talking to Mione? No, because I don't want to be a homer, you know what I mean? I got other – and listen, I love Camden Yards, but I'm going to be taking them when they're all home right. at the short porch in Yankee Stadium. All personally. right, all right. So I'm going elsewhere. I'm going elsewhere. Where are Fair you going, enough. Jake? I, I don't
1: like the pitching
2: slate today. You I know. That's just, what I was just, looking just, That's why I went with <laughs> a closer today. That's why I went with a closer today because I really don't like the slate. When I see guys that I would generally like, um, they're facing no, another guy necessary. that I yeah. would generally like. Like Aaron yeah. Nola, Nola, for example.
1: Nola versus Kershaw. Exactly. The is fine, but he's facing the Red Sox. So, mm-hmm. I got to tell you. I, I would attack Kashner lean- but not with Gray necessarily. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I was leaning towards Megden for how well he's pitching, but also he's doing it without striking. Like, he's. There's something. This, he's tricking people. I don't know what the hell he's doing out there. I don't know how. <laughs> but I don't know how he's doing as well as he is. So I'm actually going to go with Mengdon, but not for Mengdon for the team, not for the quality start, not for the win. I'm going ah. for his closer and Blake nice. Trinan for my first save attempt of the year on the Alphabon yeah. Athletics. This is the first time I've dug down into the save area
2: yeah I see that you flirted with the stolen base for three points but this is the first time trying to get three points on the hill there you have it we'll get uh Scott's picks as well I'm sure J Rod will hit us up hey Jake last thing we only got about a minute game one of the NBA finals tonight you want to get on the radar with an official pick because I hear Corey's going Cleveland in seven I'm gonna go Golden State in six to win it in Cleveland where are you going you want to get on the record here Jake Mm, I'm going Golden State and seven. Ooh, Golden State and seven to win it at home. He kind of went. Did you see him pause there? What that means is that Jake actually agreed with me, but didn't want to actually have the same pick. <laughs> no. He wanted to be distinguished.
1: I'm actually thinking that this finals could be uh, really interesting. And the pause really? is thinking who was at home in game six. Actually.
2: Oh, okay, because I was going to lean the other way. I could also see a gentleman sweep going the other way. I think LeBron runs out of gas. But we'll see starting tonight. We'll have the King Scott angle back tomorrow for Jake Seeley, the All-In Kid. I'm your boy, Dane Martinez, beats the spitting Statistician. Carton and Friends up next right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great Fantasy Day, players.